0: Welcome to the Mount Zion Wesleyan Church Podcast. We hope this message encourages you, challenges you, and inspires you to step into the life God has for you. For more information about our church, visit us online at mountzionwesleyan.com. Well, good morning, church. Good morning and welcome, everybody. Welcome all of you online. We are delighted and so glad you have joined us this morning. Uh, This morning... We are in this series, Habits, and so uh, I wanna run an experiment with you guys real quick to see, uh, let's just see how this goes. So I'm gonna say a verse, and then I'm gonna say one, two, three, and you guys recite this verse from memory, okay? It's not gonna be on the screen. You just, if you know it, recite it from memory. And some of you are like, oh my goodness, like... He is testing my biblical knowledge right now. Like I'm not, I'm a little nervous. So, uh, and anybody online, when I do this, like type it out as fast as you can, okay? No copying and pasting, that's cheating, okay? So here we go. Uh, I'm gonna say the verse again. You guys recite it from memory. See if you got this, okay? John three sixteen. one, two, three. Nice. Hey, good job. Well done. Okay. So uh, some of you, you know, quoting, depending on how, like what what version you knew, you were quoting from different versions, but good job. Like maybe, maybe you made that a habit to memorize a verse. Or maybe you've just heard it enough that like anybody can repeat that, you know? Uh, but maybe, maybe at one point in your life, you said, I'm gonna make it a habit to memorize this verse. Or maybe at some point you, in your life, you have made habits to memorize scripture in general. Well, I'm gonna say now a controversial statement. You ready? The Office is the greatest comedy show of all time. JK, that's not really it, Okay. That's not controversial because it's obvious. Ah, no, okay, forget that. Don't worry, this is, this is what I mean. Okay, here's the controversial statement for real. There's a problem with John three sixteen. Yeah, wait a minute. Whoa, 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 whoa. I mean, isn't that the most like precise, most concise power-packed verse in all of scripture and all of the Bible? Well, the problem is not with the verse, The problem is how the verse has has been presented over the past 100 years or so. You see, the church has tended to present John 3.16 as a finish line, as the end. When in fact, John 3.16 is instead a starting line. That we have proclaimed saying, "You know, believe the truth about Jesus and go to heaven and not when you die, all is good that the gospel has kind of been flattened or been condensed into these series of like software agreement statements. Hey, all is bad, I'm a sinner. Jesus is savior, believe in him, all is good. When the gospel is more than just one truth to be accepted here, the gospel is more than just a truth to be accepted. The gospel is an invitation to meet the one true living God in Jesus Christ. And this changes how we live what we do, this changes everything because he is the way who shows us the way in our life. He is the truth who consistently reveals truth to us as we proceed in this thing called life. He is the life that gives us life. You see, if this is the starting line, John three sixteen, what might, how might we speak of the finish line? Well, serendipitously, it can actually be found in 1 John 3.16. It says, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. Therefore, we must lay down our lives for one another. The primary and most compelling way the world can know the love of God is to experience it through those who claim to love God themselves. You are are the living gospel. You are the primary way the world around you knows Jesus and knows the good news of the gospel. You see, once the gospel has been received that Jesus is Lord, this invitation, there is a call, a commission, and a responsibility as believers, as those who love him, to love others, to bring his kingdom here and now to invite and invoke his presence among us to, as Matthew 28 says, go and make disciples of all nations for he is bringing a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come and we have been reconciled to God himself and he gives us this ministry of reconciliation that we might, he has committed to us this, that we might be Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We are invited and commissioned to bring the gospel once we have received it. And this, this is the habit we bring forth to you today. The habit of proclaiming the gospel. And as I've thought about this, I've tried to think of the people that I feel have done an incredibly good job of this people that astound me in making a habit to talk to people about Jesus or making a habit of being with Jesus and just proclaiming something good about him and inviting his presence into a conversation and into a moment. And so I wanna tell you a couple of stories, a few stories. First, I wanna tell you about my friend named Brent. Brent lives in Kernersville and I've known him for the past 10 years. One of the things that strikes me about Brent is I have never sitting down at a restaurant with his family without him by the end of the meal, praying with the waiter or waitress, never. At some point in the conversation, at some point Brent in conversation with this waiter or waitress asked the question, may I pray with you? And instantly the conversation changes because Jesus is invited into this moment. And walls break down and amazing things happen. For example, Brent likes to frequent this restaurant called Country Barbecue. Maybe you've been there before, but he goes to this restaurant fairly frequently. And over time, he has built this relationship and and been intentional about building a friendship with one of the waitresses. At first he would go in and he would just get to know her. He'd have a conversation with her. And then he would ask her if he could pray with her. Over time... He began to know her story. He began to learn about her family, her mission, her goals, her dreams, her hopes, her futures, her failures, the things that broke her. Over time, he began to learn about her because he was present with her. And one time in particular, Brent took a $25 gift card, just simple act of kindness, and gave it to her. And in that moment of her feeling a great sense of love, she also broke down because unbeknownst to him, she and her husband had just had a difficult time and they'd just gotten in a wreck and they were having some difficulty with finances. And she said, you don't know, even though this is just a small gift, how much this means to me. And she broke down in that moment. And then... Brent was able to declare and proclaim the hope of Jesus Christ in her life. And in that restaurant right then and there sitting next to her sitting next to him in the booth, he said, "Do you want to give your life to Jesus?" And she gave her life to Jesus in that moment. Because Brent was intentional about building a relationship and being present in someone's life, and then he was intentional about sharing Jesus with her, the hope that he has. Brent doesn't have some degree in theology. He doesn't know all the answers. He simply took small steps of obedience to be intentional in a conversation with somebody and building a relationship and being present. The next person that I wanna share with you about is somebody that many of you know. His name is Kenneth, Kenneth Payne. He attends church here. And Kenneth loves his friends. Kenneth cherishes his friends very, very deeply. And his story starts with a man that he knew his whole life. And as this man began to have some struggles uh, in in a relationship, Kenneth decided that he was gonna love this man well. And so he started visiting him about every week or every other week at his shop. He'd simply go, And he'd ask him if he needed anything. He would go and he would talk to him and he would value him and he would love him well. And over the weeks and about six months passed by of Kenneth every single week or every other week being consistently present in this man's life. About six months in, the man at home, knowing now that Kenneth has proclaimed Jesus and that he is the hope and savior of his life. Kenneth, uh, this man has some, pain in his leg. And so he starts to pray. He's like, I don't know what to do, but you know, I guess Kenneth has told me about this God. And so he's like, I'm going to pray for healing. And then, and then the pain actually transfers to his other leg and gets worse. And so he's like, well, I guess the only thing I have to do now is just submit because this ain't working. And so in that moment, because of Kenneth's faithful consistency in his life, he sell, he's surrendered his life to Jesus. And he calls up Kenneth and he said, Kenneth, I wanna tell you I'm a changed man, that God has changed me and he's now in my life and I've surrendered to him. And you know what? You're an incredibly crucial part of that story. He said, I thought that nobody cared about me, but you actually showed me you were probably the only one who actually cared about me. You see, Kenneth didn't have this action plan. He didn't have all the answers. He simply took a step of obedience and faithful presence in this man's life and was faithful in saying, Jesus is my hope and my salvation. The other person that I wanna tell you about, and I feel like I can do this because, well, I'm not her dad and, uh, and I don't think Pastor Luke would probably share it as much as willingly, but I wanna brag on Ava Jackson. This is Pastor Luke's daughter. About a month and a half ago, she, Luke shared that she, every year, gets the catalog from World Vision. And in this catalog, she thumbs through the pages and tries to pick out something that she wants to purchase for the needy and for those, the least of these around the world who need hope. And she, I've talked to her and she said, I realized that I didn't need anything for Christmas, that I was abundantly blessed and I don't need any more. So I need to give to somebody who does need. And so for the past four years, she's been doing this with her family. The first year, I think they raised about $100 and she bought some chickens. Next year, a little bit more. And she said, but over the past three years, I haven't been able to, we haven't gotten above $500. Well, this year the the catalog came and she thumbed through it and a farm caught her eye. I think the farm costs around $2,800. <laughs> it's a suddenly a big jump. But she said, I felt like the Lord was telling me I should go for the farm. And so they, they were like, okay, Ava, hey, you do the work. And so she wrote the letters and she sent them out and she asked people for change and change. And she did all of this work collecting this money. And the end result was that she raised $5,593 as a child. She said, we rolled change for 12 hours. (laughs) I mean, what a beautiful thing it is when the children of God teach us. And this did not happen the first time she picked up the catalog. But she was faithful in her steps with Jesus Christ. She was faithfully obedient to him asking her, hey, will you share my gospel through buying some chickens? She was faithfully committed to this and each time it got bigger or each time he asked her to do this and she continued to take a step of faithful obedience, being present in someone's life, being present in this world vision who is then present in people's lives and they proclaim the gospel through a chicken or through a farm. And so you ask me, how? <laughs> I asked these questions. I asked these questions to these people. I said, how did you get to the place where this became a habit for you? Where this became a consistent thing to, for you that you would share the gospel with people around you? You see, in Luke chapter 10, Jesus sends out his disciples to towns all around to proclaim the gospel. But this is what he does first. He gives them the most explicit instructions there are in proclaiming the gospel. He tells them first, First, go into the villages and be present with the people. He says, go and be among them in their homes. Stay at somebody's house. He says, go without power as lambs among wolves. Go needy without carrying a purse or without carrying any type of money. They are needy, they're humble, they are in desperate need and they have submitted themselves to just being present. And the disciples go and they don't move from home to home. He says, be present, submit to what they give you, submit to their food and what they send, give place and for you to eat. In other words, simply be present with the people. And he gives all of these instructions pretty clear, the text is clear, all of these instructions before he instructs them to proclaim the kingdom. Hm. I think it's important to get the order straight here. You see, presence precedes proclamation. Presence precedes proclamation. A believer must first be present in someone's life before the gospel can be effectively proclaimed. Take Brent and Kenneth and Ava for example. Brent simply took an obedient step, a small step of a habit of being present in someone's life, of consistently going to the same restaurant so that he might learn this person's story and their, their hopes and their dreams more and more. And he was simply obedient and faithful and present. And in that moment, then he shares the gospel with her. Even in story after story that Brent shared with me, several stories of how even with somebody he meets on the street and he fills up their gas tank, he's actually first present with them because he goes and introduces himself. He notices a need and he says, you know what? Jesus doesn't fill it with just $5. Jesus fills it all the way up and he's present with that person, fills their gas tank and then says, may I pray for you? And it's amazing what the Holy Spirit does when you are faithfully obedient and you trust him to give you the words. Brent, or sorry, Kenneth was faithfully in his friend's life. And then a moment comes along and maybe you've felt it before. A moment where it's like, man, there's a stirring. I know I need to say something. But Kenneth didn't back down and wasn't afraid, but instead stepped forward in that faith and said, hey, let me tell you what Jesus means to me. Even Ava uses an organization that is present in these people's lives to proclaim the gospel. Let's even look at Jesus. You see, Jesus, in all of his miracles, actually uses a miracle in his present first and then proclaims the gospel. For example, Jesus feeds 5,000 people. They all come to him and they want instruction and they see the miracles that he's doing and they all sit down and Jesus feeds all of them, 5,000 plus And then he proclaims, I am the bread of life. Jesus, with the raising of Lazarus, walks into the scene where everybody is weeping. And he is present with them in their weeping. Jesus himself weeps. And then he raises Lazarus from the dead and then proclaims, I am the resurrection and the life. He is present and proclaims the gospel. He shows them the value that they are, how much he loves them, and then also proclaims the gospel. Even before this sermon, I've been pondering this word present. Sometimes considering how in the world, how, we've, how have we gotten through some of the ministry that we have gotten through. And it boils down to, we are present in students' lives. I tell our student leader, I tell our adult leaders and our student ministry, never underestimate the power of Presence because I don't have anything in particularly special about me to offer. I'm not exceptionally smart. It's not like I can speak student ministry lingo very well. <laughs> I feel disconnected more and more from youth culture. It's not like I have some kind of you know, gifts or skills or I'm expert in the things that they love. It is simply because I've decided to be present in their lives. And you know this to be true, the people who have the most influence in your life are probably the people who are present the most. And I live by this quote that my father-in-law taught me. Nobody cares how much you know until they know how much you care. So it is ineffective to have proclamation without presence and the converse is also true, it is ineffective to have presence without proclamation. Maybe our issue is not that we aren't present. Maybe our issue is that we have ceased to proclaim the gospel. Maybe our issue is we have gotten so caught up in what if they reject me or what if I don't know all the answers and what if I don't have all the plan that we just simply don't say anything And we cease to proclaim the gospel. And I know, I know in this time and in this moment, it is very difficult to be present with people but there are still people we interact with. There are still family members. There are still coworkers. There are still people that you can have a, pick up the phone and have a conversation with. There are still people that you can send a text to. There are still people that as you walk in your neighborhood, you see them and you can linger a little bit more in a conversation and then invite Jesus into it. There are still restaurants that you can go to. There are still places that you can be present. Maybe the issue is we have stopped proclaiming And I simply use this term proclaim to emphasize intentionality, purpose, and power. I don't mean anything more than introduce Jesus into a moment and into a conversation. You see, Jesus follows up his presence with proclaiming his kingdom. In the book of Acts, we see that the apostles, we see miracles accompany the apostles wherever they go when they proclaim the gospel when they actually proclaim the gospel. And when we proclaim the gospel, when we share the good news of Jesus, when we testify about what he has done and how he has changed us, this opens up space for the Holy Spirit and God to demonstrate his power and the authority of Christ's reign. Without doing this, it doesn't open up that space without submitting to him and saying, hey, let's bring Jesus into their conversation. What kind of authority and what kind of power there and what kind of reign is Jesus having in that conversation? You see, taking a step of obedience, this is powerful. And maybe maybe we don't see things changing or we don't see some of the miracles that we wished we would see. Maybe because it's we cease to proclaim the gospel to those around us. And so I would sum up how do we do this in two words: faithful presence faithful presence. One is faithful presence with Jesus. Brent, in my story, as I talked to him, he said, I had to tell myself, I said, how did you get to this place where you were consistently sharing the gospel? How did you get to this place where it was a habit? And he said, I had to tell myself every single day to follow Jesus. Jesus. I had to tell myself every single day to read his scriptures. He said, and I stutter. And Brent is not one that if you spoke to you, you'd be like, man, he is just a manipulator of words and he is so crafty in his language. No, Brent is like a Moses that stutters and, and stampers in his language and in his conversations. And you would say, how in the world does he do this? He says, when I started to live my life for Jesus, he gave me this word and he says, fear not, I will give you the words. And when we open our mouths to proclaim his gospel, he says, fear not, I will give you the words. And so Brent said, every single day, I had to tell myself what the Lord told me. Fear not, I will give you the words. Kenneth said, I became a Christian a long, long time ago, many years ago, he said, but I did not take it seriously until a little while back when I rededicated my life to the Lord. And he says, from then on out, I decided that this was the number one priority. And he said, and I recall Kenneth over the years coming into the office here at the church and sharing about how many days in a row he had spent reading his scriptures. You see, because... Luke 6:45 says a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. An evil man brings evil out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. What is your heart full of? You see these are simple steps of filling your heart with Jesus. Simple steps of being faithfully present with the Lord in the morning or in the evening, being faithfully present with the Lord as you go throughout your day, being faithfully present with Jesus each and every day, simply taking one step at a time, being faithfully present with Jesus. And as you infill, as you fill your heart with his presence, with his word, out of that comes the gospel. Out of that comes what I have learned. And this is what Jesus is teaching me because we have been faithfully present with Jesus. And out of the overflow of these simple steps comes the proclamation of the gospel. You remember last week when Pastor Luke shared this illustration about the importance of little things, that an airplane, if you were in Los Angeles and you were flying to New York, that if the airplane was headed straight to there and the the pilot didn't have to move anything, headed in a straight line all the way to New York, he could simply fall asleep asleep and would go all the way. But if if let's say the nose of the plane was shifted just a tiny 3.5 degrees on the runway that you would, nobody would notice, but you would end up in Washington DC instead of New York. Over the long haul, tiny, minuscule, faithful choices make a lasting impact And so how many of you, I ask, I would ask, how many of you would be willing to sacrifice or give Jesus 1% of your day? (laughs) That's all I'm asking. 1%. I can give up 1%. I mean, that's nothing, right? That's one stinking percent. That's 10 minutes a day. And over a week, a little over an hour. Just 1%. But if I was faithful in doing that, if I was faithful in consistently seeking him in the morning or in the evening in this faithful presence with Jesus, it would be remarkable the things that come out of my mouth over the long haul. And so maybe the issue is what you put into your heart. Maybe it's not consistently godly. The faithful presence also needs to be with others. We need to be faithfully present with others. Like I said, I know this is difficult during this time, but there are ways that we can do this. Let's not get bogged down in restrictions, but let's explore ways that we can continue to proclaim the gospel because you are the living gospel. You are probably the first that somebody will know about the gospel of Jesus Christ in what you post in your conversation and how you interact with your coworkers and how you love your family. You will be the first that somebody knows of the gospel of Jesus Christ in your bitterness or in your joy, in your attitude, in the choices you make and the things you proclaim and in the hope that you have. You are the living gospel present to people in front of them. And so let's be present with our families with those close friends, the gospel, the kingdom needs people who are like Kenneth and who are like Brent, who are present with those who are around them. The gospel needs people who are like Deuteronomy chapter six talks about talk with the, Talk about the word when you're at home, when you lay down at night, when you walk on the roads, when you're traveling to your ball games or when you're traveling to school. The gospel needs people. The kingdom of God needs people who are faithfully and consistently proclaiming the gospel at home with their children in the morning or in the evening, having this time of devotion before school or before they go to bed, who are consistently on traveling from here to there and saying, hey, how was your day? And Jesus is so good. Let me tell you about what Jesus taught me today and how the conversation leads leads to God opening up opportunities to proclaim the gospel and how hope is filled because of Jesus. The gospel needs people who are present amongst their neighbors and amongst friends. And maybe it's simply these simple steps of obedience like Brent and Kenneth have made where you go and visit a friend or you pick up the phone and call somebody Or you send a text to somebody you haven't heard from and you say, hey, I just wanna check in on you. And then you proclaim, hey, you know what? This is what Jesus has done. Maybe it's as simple as a step of saying, hey, come and see what God is doing at my church. I know we're in a tough situation. I know things seem hopeless, but come and see what God is doing. Or maybe it's, hey, just watch online. I know that things are a little sketched. Like, hey, watch online. And it's a simple step of obedience of being with a friend and proclaiming, hey, this is the gospel. This is a gesture of great love. Or maybe it's with the hurt and the least of these being present with them. The kingdom needs people who like Ava take faithful small steps of obedience. You see, because in all of these situations when we are present with people, there comes a moment, there comes a moment that kind of begs us to talk about Jesus. And maybe you felt it before. And we wait, and we listen, and that moment comes and maybe we even humbly ask, may I say something? I know you're hurting, but I love a Jesus who heals. May I say something? I follow a God who is full of hope. And that never fails me. And I mean, seriously, practically use these questions. May I say something? May I pray for you? Transforms a conversation because Jesus has now entered into it. And bring him, bring him into the conversation, not in a combative way, not to prove yourself, to just say, here's what I think and your way is wrong, but humbly and with love, because there are numerous entry points for Jesus into a conversation. To the one who is suffering, fear and anxiety, Jesus is Lord and he's working in that situation. Can you believe and take a step of faith? To the one who is angry at what has been done, Jesus is Lord and vengeance is his. Can you forgive in Jesus? Because he's reconciling all things. To the one suffering depression, Jesus is Lord and he is working here. He alone has created you for purposes before the founding of the world. To the one who is lost in guilt and shame, he is taking your sin on the cross and he forgives you unconditionally. He is Lord, can you receive that? To the one who is broken and suffering great loss, he is Lord and he heals ultimately. To the one even who is on their last breath, you cannot be separated from the love which is in Christ Jesus. Christ's lordship over the world may be proclaimed over addiction, over these things that are destroying people's life because he is victor. In fact, we have overwhelming victory in Christ Jesus. He is Lord in that broken marriage. He is Lord and can reconcile all things and make them new again if we would only obediently take steps of small steps of faithfulness. He is Lord in any and every situation, no matter how bleak, Jesus is Lord is the gospel. And God is walking in Jesus, working to renew all things. Can we enter in, trust him, and begin to participate in bringing his kingdom faithfully here? You are the evidence. You can be present. You can share what Jesus in your own testimony has done for you it doesn't have to be this extravagant, well-laid plan to know all the words and know all the answers because even the apostle Paul, who is the proclaimer of the gospel to the whole world, says in 1 Corinthians, "I came in you, I came to you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. I feel like that describes me a lot. <laughs> when I'm about to talk about Jesus to somebody who doesn't know him. I came to you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. My speech and my proclamation were not with plausible words of wisdom, but with a simple demonstration of the gospel with a spirit and of power. And that happens when we take a step of faithfulness. It doesn't come with brilliant words, a great planned out sermon, a degree in theology, a study on how to share the gospel, he simply comes in humility and small steps submitting to the Lord in habit. So I wanna ask you these questions here at the end that you can wrestle with this week. How do I make this a consistent thing in my life? Here's the first question. Who can I be more present with? Who do I need to be more present with What next step can I take with a friend? What next step can I take with a friend? What step must I take with Jesus? Do I need to be more consistent with him so that out of the overflow of my life with him comes the gospel? What are you putting into your life that will overflow? What are you putting into your life that will overflow? And lastly, where and when do I need to look for moments to proclaim the good news? When and where do I need to look for moments to proclaim the good news? It would be a loss this morning if I did not give the opportunity to receive Christ. In proclaiming the gospel, that I did not give an opportunity to receive Christ. And I have two young boys. I have a three year old and a five year old. I love them so dearly. And when I, when those boys are struggling, we've had just had some rough difficulty. When I really, really, really want them to know the love of their father when I want them to embrace and know how much they are accepted and loved, I get down on my knees and I look them in the eye and I embrace them and I tell them how much I love them, how proud I am of them. And God in his infinite goodness and infinite love in Jesus Christ came down to our level to intimately embrace us and tell us, I love you. And you mean the world to me so much so that I would sacrifice my own son to live in right relationship with you. I love you. The gospel is the fulfillment of the promise to make the world right through Jesus Christ. That he died for our wrongdoings and by his death and resurrection, he defeated the effects of sin. He defeated the separation that was caused because of it that we might have right relationship with God. In Christ, old things have passed away and the new is here all who respond to this good news, all those who repent of their ways and make Jesus their Lord of Savior, he enters in and we get to become part of God, reconciling the world to himself and we receive power to become his children. So are you hopeless? Are you caught in a world gone wrong? Have you become caught up in sin are you powerless? Are you being destroyed by the world around you by injustice? God has come in Jesus Christ and defeated these powers. He has come as a human to reconcile the world to himself, to declare his love by the sacrifice on the cross. And therefore, God made Jesus And he rules and is working in all circumstances, present, personal, and in this world. So if you've never given your life to Jesus, I wanna give you that opportunity this morning where I'm just gonna ask a series of questions. And if you say, and if you want to, if you wanna give your life to Jesus, you just say yes. Just say yes to yourself and agree with these and then I'll lead you in just a complete surrender to him. And so will you, will you give up control and submit to Jesus as Lord and participate in his kingdom? Will you commit to following him and trusting in him? And will you join him in his work of making the world right? Jesus, I give you my life. I have nothing but myself. And so I surrender to you. I am in need of desperate hope. And you are that hope. I commit to following you and participating in your kingdom. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Mount Zion Wesleyan Church podcast. We hope this message has inspired you to take a next step in your walk with Jesus. For more messages or to watch our full worship gathering on demand, visit us online at MountZionWesleyan.com.